You're listening to an Anazal Ministries podcast. Have you ever had your own shadow predict the weather for you? If so, you're in great company because today we're going to talk about shadows and Groundhog Day. Welcome to Systematic Ecology, where we're going to discuss not only one of my favorite Bill Murray movies, but also one of my favorite movies of all time, Groundhog Day. We are the priests to the geeks, those not afraid to be called geeks mediators between pop culture and faith. And so today I got some friends with me who we're going to go into a deep dive into everyone's ninth favorite holiday, Groundhog Day, and also the movie. I am Will Rose. I am a Lutheran pastor in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, and I just got on somebody else's podcast and was able to talk about some recent issues of uh, Thor and Avengers, and we had to put a cap on our time of us talking because we were talking about just these few issues of comics uh, for a long time. And man, I just love comic books and talking about them too. But we're going to shift the attention a little bit from what maybe you wouldn't think is like a geeky topic or like the mainstream pop culture. But man, Groundhog Day uh, is the next holiday on my calendar when I look at it. Uh, there are no such thing as as Hallmark cards that says Happy Groundhog Day on it that you can give to your friend or neighbor. Uh, but there's an awesome movie out there that helps us go into the lore of Groundhog Day. So we're excited to to share with you and and talk about uh, how much we love this movie. And I have some co-hosts with me. We're going to introduce themselves. All right. Sounds great. Uh, my name is Dan Stoyer, a.k.a. Superfan Dan. I'm a home health physical therapist assistant by day and a podcaster by night as I am the host of Finish Last. And recently I got to play the Uncharted games. And I know that Uncharted movie with Tom Holland's coming out. So I'm really intrigued to see if they do a good job with it or not. Nice. kind of nervous, but... We'll see because it's a high bar to uphold with the games. The games do a really good job with the story and the character and everything they do in those games is just great. Well, I just learned something new. I didn't. I saw the trailer for that movie, but I had no idea it was a video game first. So that's okay. Yeah. See, yeah, it's, it's, four, it's, it's four separate games. So, wow. It's okay. a lot. <laughs> yeah. It's one of the few times where it's a movie compared to a compared to a video game and, and the, the, the source material is just. I don't see a world where, and this isn't against Tom Holland, but I, with how good the story is in those video yeah. games and how well paced it is and all of those kinds of things, I'm not sure I see a world where that, <laughs> the movie is going to be able to live up to the actual video games. I don't. I'm holding out hope, but no, we'll see. We'll see. Um, I am Joe. I am a marketer, broadcaster, podcaster, um, and I have been geeking out on um, food-related content as of as of recent. I am. I spent over a decade as a chef running restaurants and things like that, and so I've been I've been geeking out on different um, food shows and different things like that, and it's been. Brief- Bringing me back to my roots and and love of food and making food and all of those kinds of things. Fun, because I haven't had dinner yet. So you just saying that is making me even more hungry thinking about (laughs) the good food out there that I can get after this episode. Cool, cool stuff. And is there a way to cook groundhog? Is there a groundhog dish out there? I can't say as though I've ever made uh, groundhog, though I do know that groundhog stew is in fact a thing. Okay, see, there you go. Oh, man. Well, as I alluded to, we're going to talk about groundhogs. And I don't know about you, but when you ask people around what their favorite holiday is, you know, you get Christmas, you get Halloween, you get Easter, um, you might even get Valentine's Day. uh, But I don't know where Groundhog Day falls on your list, guys, but it's it's pretty far down, except when I'm thinking about uh, this movie. But it does have... A tradition, some of the traditions get preparing for episode today. Uh, Groundhog Day is on February 2nd, and it's this kind of like it has Pennsylvania German roots of yep. of 
weather predicting animals. You know, it goes back to when there hasn't always been the science of meteorology around. We haven't had those meteorologists were able to study these uh the German model, the European model, the American model, as they predict what kind of front or rain or snow is coming through. So people back in their day, before TV, radio, technology, whatever, they would find superstitions or ways to help them control what's around them. And so one of the weirdest things probably humans have done, they they created this lore and myth and story around that if a groundhog came out of their hibernation and checked out to see if their shadow is there or not would predict whether spring would come early or not. So that's, that's, you know, ground. <laughs> well, <laughs> you, so good. You think, you think about it. And like, so I, I'm from Pennsylvania. So I grew up with, with hearing about this and experiencing this and all of that. And right. you had two group, two general groups of people. You had the people that went for the pump and circumstance because it was a whole thing. There was a parade. There's, there's like everybody comes together. It's a small town. Punxsutawney is a, is a very small town, and so, so like this was kind of like the Super Bowl of this town. Like people came from around and tourists, and a lot of shops mm-hmm. would make their money for the year over the weekend of uh, Groundhog Day, and then you had the people who who bought a little bit too much into the gimmick <laughs> and you could tell because like they were up and and they were convinced after this thing was after like the whole deal was done that like that was what it was going to be that like if they saw a shadow if he didn't see a shadow that was always the thing now here's the thing right when you have when you have an event happening in front of a whole group of people where everybody is shining camera lights and camera bulbs and flashes and all of that kind of stuff, what naturally occurs as a result of light being shown on something, a shadow for the thing mm-hmm. to see. But say lovey, you still, you know, you don't, I, it's almost like a rite of passage in on the East coast to see, uh, mm-hmm. Groundhog Day from a very young age. And I, this movie came out when I was four. Yeah, I was four when this movie when this movie came out. So there you go, Will. You want, <laughs> go ahead and let that yeah, one I'll share my story later. I'll share the mine later. Yeah, you're, yeah. I, I'll share my, um, my story of seeing this movie. I was not four. <laughs> I was not four. Um, <laughs> but I still remember... <laughs> Like from a very young age, knowing about this movie and all of that. So, yeah, and you could probably psychoanalyze like what humans do in terms of shadows and winter and the seasonal depression and coming out. Like, look here, in North Carolina, we've had a couple weekends of snow. It was fun, but dude, I'm a I'm a beach <laughs> guy. I want summer. I'm already done. They're even like yeah. predicting snow for this Saturday was going to impact like church services for me on Sunday. Or not. Here we go again, the third weekend in a row, and I'm already ready. So I can understand people in the Pennsylvania area or other like cold Germanic lands who are like, I'm ready for this to be over. Can there any sign out there? Is there any sign that would give us hope that, that spring is coming soon? And so you form it around these, these rodents as uh, Phil Connor would call it uh, in the movie uh, to go from there. So it's, it's pretty fun. It does have, you know, Catholic and, and Lutheran and Germanic, traditions and i think it's called candlemas at some point that's also connected to to christmas and like what's coming up soon we're in the season the church season of epiphany of of what is this light shining or this gift given to us revealing so that it has some roots there but of course every town wants to have its festival to bring in some crowds my own hometown had the azalea festival in the spring the zoo start sprouting and they form whole concerts and food trucks around to kind of get people out and about. So this is Groundhog Day is another reason to do that, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm from Wisconsin, so from all I'm all for a tradition that can hopefully shorten winter. <laughs> um, we just had negative ten degrees out yesterday and snow, and to the point where your face hurts if you're outside too long. So mm. 
I'm all for that. And what's so you're funny like, is like, wham, Will, you had one inch of snow. <laughs> you're like, it's a culture up here. I, I yeah. totally get it. But um, <laughs> what was funny is when I was a kid, how I got introduced to Groundhog Day was a Winnie the Pooh episode of, okay. of all things, Winnie the Pooh. And it was Rabbit wanting to start his harvesting or his planting early. So they dressed Piglet into a groundhog. And, of course, they cover his eyes because he can't see what's going on. And he goes, okay, Piglet, can you see your shadow? And he's like, I don't think so. Like, oh, yay, winter, winter's done. So Rabbit starts planting everything. And, of course, the next thing, there's like five feet of snow. And they all blame Piglet. And then it goes on from there. But <laughs> Okay, there you go. But just just this movie the first time i saw it it was an absolute blast and and actually the first the like the third time i saw it my sister showed up halfway through the movie and it was so funny seeing her reaction because she's like dan why is it always 6 (laughs) a.m like she was so confused and i'm like you need to watch from the beginning it'll make sense she's like why is it always 6 a.m why is this movie called 6 (laughs) a.m Yeah, it's one of those movies where you can't come in late. You got to see nope. from the very, very nope. beginning. Yeah, as as we say, like this Groundhog Day, um, 1993 movie starring Bill Murray. It wasn't that long ago on social media. I was just having fun and and kind of thinking through all the movies that Bill Murray has been in and, and did this kind of informal poll to ask people what their favorite Bill Murray movie was. And of course, Ghostbusters come up or Caddyshack and um, what about Bob? But no, then Bob. ground, yeah, Groundhog Day was definitely top of the list. And, and as much as I love Ghostbusters, I think, I think Groundhog Day is, is my favorite because of what it made me feel. I, you know, yeah, I'll share. Um, I was in college when this movie came out and actually saw it in the theater with my buddies. And, and I remember seeing this movie and us coming out of this movie being like, wow, it had such an impact. It was almost is analogous to it's a wonderful life, right? Where someone examines their life and they have this transformation happen. How, what do I value in my life? How do I want to live my life? What do I, what do I want to do with this precious time that's been given to me? And we came out of that movie going, let's live. And I think what we did was we're just like, yay, it's 12 o'clock at night. It's midnight. Let's go get donuts. So we just went to like <laughs> Krispy Kreme and got hot donuts, I think is what we did. So um, that's how we lived large <laughs> when we were in college. We weren't the big partiers. We we went to Krispy Kreme. But uh, we were like, let's not go to bed. Let's just keep living. But pretty, pretty amazing movie. And guys, I didn't, I didn't even know that until again, examining and studying this movie a little bit. Of course, I know the movie beat for beat and, and, and the plot and, and the comedic genius that it is, but I did not realize maybe you guys did, but Harold Ramis was the director oh. Egon from Ghostbusters. Um, he had written other movies too, like Caddyshack and Stripes and, and had partnered with Bill Murray and a lot of things. And so he's one of the director, he, the, the director and writers on uh, this movie. So of course it makes sense. It has that same kind of Ghostbusters comedy pauses life. What's going on. It fits Bill Murray's acting chops um, right down the line. So I, uh, that was something I learned today that Egon from Ghostbusters directed this movie. <laughs> wow. So what, a small, what a small, what a small world that is interesting. And I don't want to add on to making you feel bad, Will, but I was also for yeah, when this okay. uh, well, movie originally came out. So I got yeah. that in common with Joe, but um, <laughs> I think I just liked this movie a lot because it just showed the cycles that he went through. I mean, initially mm. when this first happened, he, was confused. Then he became a jerk and tried to take advantage of people. Then, then, um, then he went through like that short phase where he committed suicide almost every day. Mm -hmm. And then it followed him wanting to try to help people and just trying to help the guy that was homeless or, um, Mm -hmm. just trying to help the community in general until the end of the movie, when everything finally clicks, the snow falls down and then, life moves on but that really got to me just saying all this cycles goes it always makes me wonder if i could redo one day of my life what day, what day would it be and Ooh. i have way too many to choose from if yeah, i'm I one of those yeah yeah i it goes through that um kluber ross model of the five stages of grief uh you have yep. denial then anger uh bargaining depression and then acceptance and and in my work um walk with people in a congregation and stages of life I, I see the grief all over the place and i think a lot of it in our pop culture whether it's wandavision or or hawkeye or other places they've leaned into 
this kind of these stages of grief. And I, I did a whole series on that in our congregation because in the midst of COVID, in the midst of pandemic, we all were grieving so much, whether it was lost time or lost events or lost literally people uh, through this pandemic to let people know that the stages of grief isn't necessarily a linear thing hopping from one thing to the next. They grief comes in waves and, and um, they come at different parts. So yeah, they, they really did set up these scenes and this transformation of Phil, uh, not Punk's tiny Phil, Phil Connor, which that was intentional, right? Uh, uh, these stages of, of grief that he was living through to shake him out of his kind of cynical nature as a weatherman who was a prima donna, who was too important. Uh, but it really took this magical, mystical moment that led him through these stages to get to a point where he had to re-examine his life and reevaluate what he truly valued uh, as important. One of the most interesting things that I find about this movie, what the older that I get watching it, you know, I, I am a card carrying member of the mental health community. And so to watch something like this made in a time where like, we don't, it was, it was not talked about. If you, if you had mental health issues in our generation as, as a nineties kid, and I'm sure other generations can speak to this too, but being a kid in the nineties, that wasn't taken seriously. And so to to watch this movie that was made in 93, be willing to at least start the conversation of like, you know, not not to be not to be whatever. But we we find this movie is funny. Right. All three of us would call this a funny Mm -hmm. movie. This is this is technically a comedy. Dude kills himself like several times in this movie. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. he drives a, drives a car off a cliff, and all of those kinds of things. Like he yeah, electrocutes himself in a bathtub. Right. <laughs> like, I forgot about that one. Yeah. Right. So, but to to see this this attempt, I'm of two minds, right? Because I watch this movie and I'm like, man, we have come a long way with at least accepting there to be some kind of conversation, especially within the Christian community mm. of not just, you know, shoving scripture and choose joy down, down people's throats. Mm. But, you know, at the same token, like, man, at least they were willing to start that conversation. At least that conversation had to, it had to start someplace. You know what I mean? Was it perfect? No. But at least it was willing that somebody was willing to go there and to have part of this conversation, you know? Yeah, they they classify as kind of fantasy comedy. So you have this kind of magical element, which I find interesting. They never explain why it happened other than just his own life of trying to wake him up from cynicism and complacency. Um, They don't say, oh, there's this wizard over in the corner doing this to him or explain. I love it that they don't explain other than just him waking him up from from uh, complacency and cynicism, and and it's, it's funny to read about the history of this movie. You have um, Danny Rubin, with one of the writers, uh, shared that he was uh, in a movie theater getting ready to watch a movie, and he was reading one of Anne Rice's books on vampires, and um, and and as he was reading it, he started thinking about immortality. He was like, "What makes?" What would if you had all the time in the world? What would you do with it? If we were limited time, does that make a more sense of urgency to live your life to the fullest? Or if you had all the time in the world, would you do whatever you wanted? Um, and then Harold Ramis was was a part of it, and he was like, "What's the nearest holiday on the calendar that I'm looking at?" And he said, "Oh, Groundhog Day." So they didn't attach it to Christmas or Halloween, or they was like, "What is like a holiday nobody ever thinks about?" Groundhog Day, and so they wrapped it around. The story around around that, which I think gives it some more some more you know credence, but or at least you notice it more. If it's just another Christmas movie, you'd be like, okay, it's just trying to be it's a wonderful life or Charlie Brown uh, Christmas, whatever. But but it, it stands out a little more. And so this guy trapped in a time loop, I think you're right, Dan, is like, what what do I value? What would my day be? If I had a day that I could live over and over again, what would it be? I know, I know mine would be my, my wife and I honeymoon in Tahiti. And there was a day when like we woke up and had a breakfast buffet and I actually took my surfboard out and surfed a day in Tahiti. And then we came back. It was a beautiful, and I was like, if I could have one day that I lived over it, that would be the day. But then I started thinking about what about my kids or what about, um, 
what would I be tra- how long would that be where we'd be like, oh, I'm being driven mad. And and people in our lives, there are oftentimes we feel trapped in the same day, in the same routine. Every day I wake up and I go to work, I clock in, I do these things. What brings us joy? What do we value? This time loop of life during the during the uh, shutdown of the pandemic, we're still we're still in the pandemic. But in terms of like those initial few months of of this thing, we are like, oh, I can't tell one day from next. The same things happening every day. What am I doing with my life? Those questions are huge, and it takes something like this kind of storytelling to help us reevaluate our own lives and vocation and calling. Yeah. I mean, it's just like reflecting on your past. Yeah. You wish you could go back in time and change things, but then if you did, it could change how you are today. Or the reason why that might've happened is God had that plan for you to become the man or woman that you're supposed to be. And I don't know why I just saw this now, but it reminds me of the Dr. Strange. What if episode, Yeah, which is still my favorite episode because he tries (laughs) constantly to change something that happened and it, he just beats himself over to the point of where he becomes supreme. Ah, the doctor Very, Supreme's very strange. reminiscent of uh, Phil Connors trying to help the the homeless gentleman. He could yeah. not stop him from dying. Yeah. And that, that's and a that really poignant good point. moment of what the nurse going, you know, sometime it's just their time. And he was like, not on my watch. So that very good pull there. Cause that's what it brought that image. There's so many things in the smooth. They're so great, but that's one that was so meaningful about, examining what you could or couldn't do, what you control and what you can't control. Yeah. Yeah. That's for me and the way my brain processes this, you know, looking past the initial comedy of it all, I, Mm -hmm. my brain goes to, you know, what, what would I, we've all had our moments of thinking like, what if we were God? You know what I mean? I understand we're on a Christian <laughs> show and that can almost sound nigh, nigh heretical, but like we've, we've all had those moments of thinking if we were the one that was in control, what would we do different? What would be, or if, like we were talking about before, if we could live over a day, what would that day be? A lot of times people will go to a less positive, positive day to try and redeem that mm. day and all of those kinds of things. But what what do you what <laughs> you make yourself selfish i was like yeah i'm not going to improve anything i just want to surf and have a breakfast buff <laughs> but you're right you're right like i, I my mind psychoanalyzed me now like oh i would go for the great day but yeah there there's most more meaningful days you could go back to and say i'm going to change this and do it but yeah you're right joe like that what would we do if we had that godlike power or not, right? But what, but what does that change? You know what I mean? Like if you mm-hmm. take that bad day out, if you take that period of your life out, or if you take mm-hmm. take something and you change it like that, what does that change as far as the type of person that you've become, your relationship with God, all of those kinds of things, not to go you know too far down the whole butterfly effect thing, mm-hmm. but at the same token, like we don't, all of these things, both good and bad, make up the sum total of who we are. And so what happens when you start to pull out those pieces and what kind of effect does that have? You know what I mean? Yes, there's the inherent idea that if I could live the same day over and over again, there's an inherent immortality to that. And we see that to be part of the movie and all of those kinds of things. And he even some- tells her, I think I'm a God. Doesn't he even <laughs> say that out loud? <laughs> yeah. To, to, it wouldn't to surprise Rita. me. He, he, in the movie, he was like, I'm a God. She's like, oh gosh, what are you talking about? He's like, no, I watch this. And so he started, he, he plays with the idea. They, they name it. They name yeah, it. It's crazy because she actually believes him too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you, you wonder what kind of that, I think that's one of the, it's so, it's so fascinating to see somebody try and make some kind of depiction of what kind of effect that would have on the human, uh, on the human psyche to go through what, like that reconciliation process of, okay, so we all wish sometimes that the gloves were off, right? That, that we could do whatever we wanted to do, but what is the what is the psychological effect of all of that and kind of being your own master in that regard? You know what I mean? Yeah. And as you said, it deals with some very heavy topics and it is a comedy. And that comedy almost disarms you so that it's more palatable. You know, I think uh, like like horror or sci fi, they have their their purpose to help you 
deal and cope and imagine and, and think through things. Um, comedies do the same. They're disarming, but good comedies also challenge you and to think about, you know, what you would do in that situation as well. So very, very deep issues and thoughts and what's the meaning of life? What's the meaning of love and, and, and death, or what would you do with those days? This, this comedy makes it more, um, palatable and, and disarming that you can digest it a little easier going back to your kind of food analogy. And it, man, you know, like you said, like nothing matters. He, he was sitting there in that restaurant. One of the greatest, oh gosh, I could, he was sitting there eating whatever he wanted to eat. He didn't care because he was going to leave the next day. He was eating tons of cake. He was eating, he was smoking cigarettes. He was drinking tons of coffee. He was drinking. He was like, nothing matters because there's this nihilism of like, well, I'm just going to live the same day every day. And it's not going to affect my heart or health or whether I live or die the next day. Cause I'm just going to relive this over again. So why not enjoy this cake, this entire cake on its own. Right. Yeah. And he did that in positive and negative ways. He would do like, you know, eat as much cake or one of my, one of my favorite parts is when he's doing the news broadcast and he's totally being a jerk to whoever was there. And like, this is dumb. This is stupid. Why are we here? But then he also did things like, uh, play the piano with the same teacher. And then by the end of the movie, he's like, Ugh, fuck. So he's like, how long have you been playing? Oh, I just picked it up yesterday. <laughs> and the teacher's like, that's my student. Um, then, and then his relationships, again, we can't detach this for, it's, yeah, it is about him and this day, but it's all connected to the web of relationships that he's a part of. So not only Rita, but also Chris Elliott's, um, character the cameraman larry and yeah. connected to the homeless guy and even even the the bed and breakfast he's staying in his reaction to her and then then you have one of my all-time favorite characters of all time uh ned riverson riverson the the insurance salesman uh <laughs> phil phil is ned is ned and then like three three days in he's punching him in the face but by the end of the movie He's like, yeah, I bought an entire life insurance, changed the man's life by giving him the business. And that that kind of transformation that happens with all these relationships that he's doing. And yeah, the first time he does this broadcast, he he does it in a cynical, dismissive way. But by the end, people are gathered around to hear this speech like he's reading Shakespeare. And Rita's like, where did that come from? He's like, uh, you know, he's he's lived it it becomes this poetic exposition of what he's doing. Um, and she's, he's like, yeah, I've, I've, I've lived this and I'm just going to accept it. Moving to that acceptance of, of what his life is from there on out. Oh, so true. And I love that he kind of goes through the pattern of, he hates being there. And at the end of the movie, he actually wants to live there. Yeah, which which blows my mind, because sometimes we think that we're in a place where God doesn't want us and mm. we could be in the exact place God wants us to be. It's just that we need a different perspective on it. We got to sometimes take a step back and be like, oh, maybe this is the place for me. I just had to look at it from a different angle. So that part always gets me too. Yeah, and his transformation isn't just him accepting on his own, but the relationships he is in. So we do this thing called life. We do this thing called faith in community with one another so that we can hold each other accountable. Um, yeah, there, there are people in my lives, friends in my life that they're like, well, I need to challenge you on this. You need to you need to have a personality check. You need to check your your grief, check your your pain, your anger, your road rage, whatever it is that you're going through. Um, let's, let's talk through this. So it, that perspective doesn't come just on me magically thinking up on my own, but in my relationships with other and the communities that I'm a part of. Yeah. Um, it's, it's so interesting when you can see how just that slight perspective difference can change everything and that mm -hmm. hits that hits home with me because i like i said i'm from pennsylvania and i did <laughs> everything in my power I, I i've lived up up in your neck of the woods before dan i was in uh minnesota for like five years and oh yeah i've lived all over god's green earth because i did everything in my power to leave pennsylvania because i wanted nothing to do with this state and until 
I ended up back here a couple of years ago, but that's when I, that's when I reconnected with my now wife and, you know, things have, things have taken the turn that they have in a positive way, but that all like leading up to that, I'm like, really? Like, you're going to ask me to go to my Nineveh and, and come back to these (laughs) stomping grounds and all of those Mm. kinds of things. Yeah, yeah, that the the journey, right? And I think that that character transformation, um, you know, you, there are some, you know, myself included, you know, as I get older, it's easier to get more cynical. It's easier to get more jaded. It's easier to see things from like, oh, what's the point? You know, some things never change. But this move that that Phil had from from cynicism to beauty, cynicism, um, self importance to loving those around him in a deeper way that that's the move we're called to do. Um, and, and it is hard. It's not easy. And then the movie doesn't make it look like, Oh, it's just one big happy thing. It, it take, it took some hard times along the way to, to chip off that armor or to, to move that movement from cynicism, nihilism, nothing matters to life is beautiful. And I want to, to make the most of the time uh, that I'm given on earth. Yeah, uh, that I, I've often said that humans aren't capable of making significant change on their own, that humans are humans like that's that's just is what it is. Um, so so it's interesting to see, you know, in this mm-hmm. in this case, it's, you know, the depiction of the universe or whatever you want to call it. Right. There's no specific um, explanation is just kind of life has done this to him sort of thing. Mm-hmm. And so, mm-hmm. you know, while, while there's, there's some ideology there that, you know, doesn't necessarily jive, I can still appreciate the story of somebody who has a forced perspective change. You know what I mean? And I think that for, for life, you can look at some of the most beautiful moments where you're forced out of your own perspective into a perspective that you wouldn't naturally necessarily land in. Yeah. It's the, um, that's something outside yourself that draws that. And we call that guy, they never name it or explain it in the movie, but there's definitely something outside beyond himself that has, has happened to him. And it's not just him or somebody else forcing him to do it. There, there's been some sort of divine hand that, that has, um, outside of himself to, to draw him into this journey. I mean, like we've been saying, there's, we don't know what's, we don't know why this happened to him in the movie. I mean, kind of funny if it was the groundhog controlling everything, but I, <laughs> I kind of like that it's feel. not. And it's just, it's just, we don't know. But I thought it was interesting that you brought up Will, the point where he tells Rita, I'm a God. And then he, she ends up believing him. And then still the next day he wakes up 6 a.m. And it's the same day. And it, it's just kind of crazy and how it didn't reset until everything was set in place, not yeah. just one part of his life, but every part of his life. And I think sometimes as a Christian, we focus too much on one aspect of our life that we need to improve on when we really need to work on multiple things at the same time to complete the whole picture and not just mm. be part partially human, but fully human in what we're trying to pursue. Yeah, that will bounce like because you feel that frustration with him. Like he, yeah. he's made he's made progress with her and his relationship, but the next day he has to start all over again. So you're like, ugh, you know. And there's definitely days when I'm like, ugh, I have to wake up and start all over again. What what's really going on? We have that we ask those questions, but you feel that frustration. But when he eventually relaxes and leans into this is his reality, and he's going to make the most best of it, whether it's learning the piano or ice sculpting or whatever he needs to do. Um, that's when the change happens. And you feel that joy when something different happens. He's like, Whoa, something different just happened. And the next day he's like, Oh my gosh. And I have to ask you guys, like whenever you hear Sonny and Cher, I got you, babe. What do you think of this movie? Absolutely. This freaking it. movie. Yeah. I can't <laughs> <I> hear, <laughs> I can't hear it <laughs> without thinking of this movie. Yeah. I, I don't know if Cher gets royalties off this or not, but, uh, um, 
You know, that would be pretty funny if you set your own alarm to I got you, babe, and, and wake up every morning that way. <laughs> <laughs> I guess. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is there a scene? Is there a scene that uh, is your favorite or something that stands out? I mean, the whole movie, just the progress of it. Is, but is there like a favorite part in the movie whenever it comes on? You're like, yeah, that's just one of my, my favorite parts of the movie. I mean, there's a couple. I mean, in, in any movie I like, I always like two or three. So, of course, I like the one where he actually steals the groundhog and goes in the truck and goes, all right, here we go. And then yep. and then he goes down, crashes, and then Rita's like, maybe they're still okay. And <laughs> just blows <laughs> up. <laughs> but just the fact that they think he's going to be okay still is what gets me every time. And then, yeah, of course, perfect. the scene with the piano teacher where he keeps getting better and better for – no explicit reason besides the fact he's getting a lesson over and over again mm-hmm. is pretty funny to me as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's hilarious when he's in the, when he's in the, um, the diner because you see his progression towards thinking that he's like immortal and all of those kinds of things. And I'm like, that's probably the most human that we've mm. seen this character because how many of us if we knew that we had the keys to the kingdom would just do you know what i mean like that start making those decisions and all of those kinds of things especially if that's not something that you're particularly passionate about or is on your heart or something along those lines if you don't have any anchor towards making the right choices what are you going to do? You're going to make the wrong choices and all of those kinds of things. And so to me, that's probably one of the most, one of the most impactful, but also some, just some of the funniest because you watch this person go through. And as a kid, I even found this, uh, found this hilarious. And I've realized that it's because you can relate with humanity. When human sees a humane or like a very mm. human response, it's, it's engaging. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think um, another one of my, my favorite shows uh, of the last few years was, was the good place. And I don't know if you guys watched that show I, at first I was like, I'm not going to watch that show. It's, you know, them doing, I'll, I'll get too judgy. I know I'll get judgy. You know, like doing religion or faith and stuff. But my, my daughter was like, no dad, there's a twist. You need to watch this. It's really good. And we just fell right, right into it. And and again, they play with that philosophical theme of, of um, what's your anchor. If, if you, it, if you had just endless amount of time, would it be um, as special or not, but since we have a, a, a short amount of time, a fixated amount of time, that we're not immortal, there there is a sense of mortality to life. What does that add to the sense of our lives? And so, you know, you can speculate all the time, God's purpose in terms of um, death, pain, power, uh, mortality, what, what we're anchored to, but like in terms of what is it that helps us grow into the people that God calls us to be, and that sense of urgency of, of what do I do with my life in this time now, which I think this movie does a great job doing. Like I said, when we finished watching this movie, a bunch of my buddies were like, man, what do I, what do I, what, where do I want to, it's almost apocalyptic in a sense that it reveals something that says, oh, where do I want to place my trust? Where do I want to place where the object of my affection, my love, is it me? Is it the food? Is it money? Is it power? Is it fame? Or, or is it the relationships that's been entrusted to me? Yeah, I'm glad that you keep bringing up the the relational aspect of it because, you know, yes, it is ultimately about him and and how he, you know, his personality and things like that. But reconciling the different relationships that we have is the, it's very important to overall to 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 overall well-being and i mean that in a christian sense and it in a person sense you know what i mean cuz i think that there's non-christians that would that would agree all the same that the emotional health of the relationships around us matters and mm-hmm. there, it's usually indicative of the type of person that you are and the type of energy that you put out and, you know, all of those kinds of things. And so it's it's interesting that you almost are watching these relationships as the barometer for 
how he is as a person and who he is as mm. a person and the effects that that all of this is taking on him, you know? Yeah, barometer or thermometer is getting colder. Is our shadows? Yeah, what's the temperature of these relationships going on in this deep winter? Whether you like snow or not, we know our our beloved co-host Joshua hates snow, but like uh, in terms of yeah, what it, the play, the imagery of of weather and relationships, cold versus hot versus all that, it it all comes into play there. And um, yeah, I mean, truth is truth, love is love. In terms of these universal truths of of human nature and relationships, uh, everyone can relate um, to what's happening and this progression and transformation in his character. Yeah, I mean, far as relationships go, I think. You hit the nail on the head earlier, Will, when you said this kind of has a, it's a wonderful life effect. And that one person has that much impact on their community mm-hmm. around them in a positive or a negative aspect where, oh, oh it's just another day. This is boring. Let's get over with. Or what can we make most out of this day? And how can you help make that day even better? So, I mean, just seeing that transformation throughout the movie was a lot of fun and also reflected on how we can be in our communities as well. Yeah, I think, you know, you had the two ends of the spectrum. One is like the nihilism of like nothing matters. Not, whatever I do doesn't count because we just live in a universe of chaos and chance or whatever. And the other end is like every single choice matters and you become paralyzed. You're like, if I use my turn signal or not, I could unravel the fabric of the universe. <laughs> like you could also paralyze yourself by the decisions you make. So there's a balance in there of like, yeah, I know that I'm held by the embrace of a loving, grace-filled God. Uh, but also my actions and behavior and how I treat myself and others matters too. Uh, right. What you do matter. Um, your life matters. The decisions and choices you make do matter, but I'm also a part of something larger than myself. So that kind of balance, um, which is why we do it in community and we hold each other accountable. that when I'm too unbalanced or go one direction, uh, my brothers and sisters can, can help me draw me in yeah. uh, a new direction. Joe, you were going to talk a little bit about um, kind of this in terms of like a world with no rules and the hinges were broken off. What are some of your reflections there uh, when it comes to that? Because that's a good one. Yeah. So that's and, and what you just said is a is a perfect um, segue into into that mode of thinking where we see here where the balances are off, right? The gloves are off. And as humans, you know, how many of us have thought, have had the thoughts of, you know, with, I wish uh, either, I wish I was a robot so that way I didn't have to make the decisions and all of those kinds of things. Or I just wish that I didn't have to play by the rules. I wish I didn't have this body. I didn't wish, I wish I didn't have these limitations and all of those kinds of things. Well, it, it's the whole idea of you b- be careful what you wish for because you just might get it sort of thing. Mm. And mm. <clears throat> what does that do to your ultimate mentality and the way that you interact with this world and all of that? If all of those all, all of those rules were gone, all of the guy the the guardrails we're gone. You know what I mean? I, I have the the personal opinion that I think every person is inherently born with a sense of of, of morality. Because morality mm-hmm. has existed, because good and evil has existed, that humans kind of instinctually know, even if they aren't um, Christian that they know that they've wronged somebody or that something is askew or like this inherent sense of justice and those kinds of things. <clears throat> if if n- nothing has consequence, then where is the justice? If nothing has consequence, then where are the lines? Where are the guardrails? Where is everything in place that kind of gives the universe and life purpose and meaning and all of that? And if left in your own hands, what do you do with the fact that you are if if you can do whatever you want and and still wake up at six o'clock the next morning and all of those kinds of things? 
in in all standards of measurement, yeah, that would make sense if you're not a if you if you're not looking at this from a Christian perspective, and you are reliving the same day over and over again. What would your first inherent idea be that you that you are a, a, a god in, in that in that regard? Well, mm. what do you do with that? And I think that it's almost Greek tragedy in a sense. When you look at the way that this that, that this plays out, because you have the Greek gods, you have these other depictions of gods that are just they spend their life trying to entertain themselves or trying to bring purpose and meaning and all of those kinds of things while indulging all of these practices and all of that kind of stuff that you have to hit this point of realizing that. All of the guardrails, all of the asterisks and all of that kind of stuff, that's what keeps me on the straight and narrow. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, there are some days where I wake up angry the fact that I'm a human. I wake up angry about the fact that uh, the fact that I am part of a falling creation, that I myself am fallen, all of these things. But at the end of the day, if you take all of that away, you're left with something way, way worse. You know what I mean? And I think that's one of the most beautiful things about this movie is it's daring to go to that place of asking those questions, especially for people like myself that have death phobia, that have that that struggle with nihilism, that struggle with mm. with, with all like the these thoughts of, well, what in the wide world of sports is the point? What is the point of all of this? You know what I mean? And and willing to ask those questions and then depict what it would be like if all of those things changed. Right. There's a moral arc to the universe and it bends towards justice. It bends towards love. And so, yeah, if, if you know, I, I can think we, we're coming off Martin Luther King weekend. We're heading into Black History Month. I think of someone like Martin Luther King who is wrestling with justice and racial justice. If there wasn't a moral arc to the universe, then what would it just power taking over power, replacement of power? Or is there like this kind of way of a trajectory that we're being called to as an example that Christ led us down the road? So I think, yeah, what it, what is the moral arc that, that the universe is bending to? If there is none, you know. Why, why do any of this? But if, if there is, I want to be a part of that. And, and I want to align my life with where that trajectory is, is going to. Um, yeah. And I, and I heard this one analogy once that are saying that they did this experiment with uh, like kids and preschool that when they were out in the playground, the kids, when they didn't have a fence, uh, they would huddle real close with each other in the middle of the playground and not explore uh, because they didn't feel safe. But as soon as they put the fence up around the playground, they were able to go freely around the playground because it had actually had barriers that allowed them to free and move and they felt space. And so I mean, we often see the Ten Commandments as these kind of like rules to box us in, to keep us down and and limit our lives. But really they're there as 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 my Hebrew friends would say, Jewish friends would say, they're they're gifts. They're gifts given by God to give us boundaries so that we can actually live life to its fullest and right. go beyond just our little tiny circles, but explore life even deeper with these gifts of of the commandments and the law and the Torah um that that's been given uh by God. I look at I am thank Oh, you go, Joe. Okay. Um, I am thankful those boundaries are in place. And if there were no consequences out there, then it'd be like living as a character in Grand Theft Auto. That would be an absolute <laughs> nightmare. Great pull. Yeah. And cool. I like that you put out, Will, that so many people see these rules as binding or not like binding, but they constrict you. And in reality, they're there to make sure we live that right life that God wants us to live, but also that we can help others and be along that mindset. And with what Joe said, with being born with morality, I'm um, watching my nephews grow up. They definitely know right and wrong before anything happens. Like when they're two, they'll do something and they'll look at you while they're doing it. And they're like, <laughs> eh. mm -hmm. like, and they know not to do it, but they do it anyway. And you don't have to teach any of them the word. No. They just say it instantaneously. No, I don't want that. Mm -hmm. No. Yeah. 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 Um, 
Yeah, and and the way the movie eventually wraps around is the the climax, the the salvation, the transformation that happens is is he's given a new day, a new day, a different day, and so. Man, we think about, about our lives and, and what's the new day ahead of us and eventually goes back around and tie, tie it to Easter. Yeah, the holiday of Groundhog Day, you know, again, you're not going to have any like other than in Punxsutawney. You know, you're not going to have these big festivals or Hallmark cards celebrating Groundhog Day. But, but you know, bringing it back to, to Easter, this kind of new day, a new day of creation This often in the Christian tradition called the eighth day of creation. You have the seven days. Here's a brand new day a new creation being birthed for us. Um, so, so for Phil Connors, he's given a new day and, and each day we're given a new day and then how do we use it? Um, and, and moving forward. I, I approach this, this movie with, you know, I, I hadn't, I hadn't seen this movie in a couple of years and I watched it in, in preparation for the episode and it was it was an interesting thing because, you know, I had had an opportunity for a while to kind of live my own, you know, no, I wasn't running around like a character in, in GTA or anything like that. But I, <laughs> I, I made my own rules. I, I worked for myself. I had I, I, I had my own business. I had more money than I should have and an empire that I, I, I answered in my own life to really nobody in a lot of regards until I got sick and started down the road that ended up with me at the cross. Um, Mm. and, and I used to think that, you know, that uh, this whole thing was all just rules. It was all just man-made rules to keep people, to keep people in line and that were used by powerful men to subjectify certain groups of people and all of those kinds of things. And sure, you know, humanity is broken, you know, yeah, sure. Maybe, maybe we can point to historical points where Christianity was used as a controlling mechanism and all of those kinds of things. Everything can be used in a negative way by a broken creation. But at the end of the day, I I have to look back objectively at the last couple of years and look at my life since I've been on the quote unquote straight and narrow when I'm living my life with a purpose and with rules and with regulations and all of those kinds of things, kind of closer to coloring within the lines, if you will. Mm. And it's just... I can honestly say, you know, yeah, there are days where where life sucks, meaningless, meaningless. It's all me- like I, I vibe with that some days. I really do. That's biblical. That's biblical too. Yeah, <laughs> that the, question's in there. <laughs> but at the end of the day, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have it any other way because I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have my family. I wouldn't have my wife. I wouldn't have my life. I wouldn't have mm. these things that you know come along with the rules and regulations and the blessing of those things. Yeah. 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 It's good stuff. So, you know, so if you feel like you're in a routine or every day is the same, if you feel like you're caught up in a time loop and you can't get out of it, you know, we like to tie in in scripture. So, so from Luke chapter 12, Jesus talking to his disciples and, Jesus said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life or what you will eat or about your body or what you will wear for life is more important than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They never, they neither toil nor sow nor reap yet. They have a storehouse and yet God, or they don't have a storehouse and God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? How can you by worrying a single hour, say to yourself, what can I add to my life? If you're not able to do small things, then why worry about the rest? So consider the lilies, how they grow and how they neither toil nor spend. For I tell you that even Solomon in all his glory was not clothed as one of them. It's not saying that you won't have worries that life's going to be a cupcake or that something's going to happen and you live heavily after after. But but yeah, what do we do with the time we're given and and how can worry, how can um, uh, the worrying about the things we can't control 
Uh, how is that going to add any more to your life? And I like that aspect. Often we hear consider the lilies, um, but remember people talk about consider the ravens. I think that'd be a great band name or like a book <laughs> or a t-shirt, consider the ravens. And they're like, what are you talking about? Like Odin's ravens? Like, no, a parable from Jesus. That's what we're talking about. He said, watch those ravens and, and see how they live. And so we hope that uh, this Groundhog Day, um, that you'll be able to rewatch this movie. I'm sure it might be on a TNT or a network or pull it up um, on uh, around Groundhog Day. And you can look at it through a different lens and kind of reevaluate your life and your time and and what you have going on and how we can all uh, grow in our lives and, and grow in the relationships that are entrusted to us. All right. Fantastic. Um, ready for the wrap up? Let's wrap it up. Okay. Let's wrap it up here, guys. Uh, we'll start off with Joe. Um, any recommendations you have for our audience here on anything in particular? Um, yeah, I would, I would, uh, recommend, you know, a, this movie, you know, because <laughs> this is, everybody has to experience this, this ridiculousness at least once. Um, but outside of the, outside of the movie, um, I have been binging on, um, we did an episode a little while ago on, uh, Ultraman. And it sent me down this rabbit hole of different tokusatsu <laughs> uh, shows and things like that. Especially if you're a 90s era kid and stuff like that, definitely take a look at some of this stuff like Super Sentai, um, Kamen Rider, Ultraman, all of those kinds of things. Uh, how about you, Will? Yeah, man, there's some good TV out there right now. Like some of it, um, you know, can can be scandalous to admit to uh, as a pastor uh, on that. But man, there's some stuff on HBO right now that is so freaking good. And then I I was a little slow on Book of Boba Fett, uh, but the latest episode, um, episode five, chapter five, was just everything I wanted in Star Wars. Man, it was just so good the way they tied a lot of things in and and had a blast with that. So so yeah, and um yeah, and I and I'll I'll plug I'll do a little plug too like in terms of um yeah, I I actually have a a short little book on Amazon called uh called I sure am going to miss that guy and it's really my we talked about Easter here and holidays that I have um compiled my Holy Week sermon from Good Friday uh, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and the Easter into a little book with some stories that I share with my congregation. So if you want to go to Amazon and grab that, but it, it made me think through kind of the, the, the center and core of the Christian faith, which is Easter and the chief holiday. A lot of, Christmas is, is a lot of people's favorite holiday because you get a lot of gifts. But in terms of the Christian narrative, Easter, we would, there wouldn't be a Christian faith without Easter. And so, um, I always say Easter is my favorite holiday because of that. So if you're interested in my kind of take on that or my preaching style, um, you can grab that book really cheap on, on Amazon. Awesome. Nice plug in there. I like it. Uh, <laughs> for me, I'm going to recommend another Bill Murray movie because I do like a Groundhog mm -hmm. Day, but my favorite is What About Bob? And mm -hmm. long story oh, short, so long story short, it's basically uh, Bill Murray mm -hmm. as Bob Wiley who is just a patient who can't get over himself. He goes, sees, sees a psychologist almost every day or every week. And he meets this doctor. They, they meet one time and he goes, the doctor goes on vacation. Bob follows him. And by the end of the movie, they switch roles and just that journey is hilarious. So I would highly recommend watching that movie. You will laugh your head off guaranteed. And uh, before we go here, just if you want to connect with any of us, um, we'll share that information right now. So, uh, Joe, uh, where can people find and connect with you? Um, outside of SG, you all can find me um, at BuddyWalkWithJesus.com. Buddy Walk With Jesus is um, one of the shows that I host um, along with Kingdom on the Road. Um, you can find me on Facebook and anywhere that you uh, can find podcasts, uh, both of those. Uh, how about you, Will? Yeah, I'm on um, Facebook and, and Twitter and Instagram as well. Um, 
uh, yeah, it's, it's good to be a, a part of this podcast. And yeah, I, I want to recommend or just um, encourage you that we have a um, a really cool group on Facebook, Priest to the Geeks, that that has the different folks that are chiming in and asking questions and sharing memes. And part of our goal of this is to kind of expand and uh, invite people in and grow a community where we can nerd out and geek out, but but also kind of process all this stuff together. So really cool group. And and if you have a suggestion of what a topic or something we haven't covered yet, or or have a hot take on something we share, then yeah, share it, share it with us. Let us know. I agree. You guys in our community are so awesome. We're so thankful for each and every one of you. And if God, God willing, if it keeps growing, it'll be just that just excites me. That is that is great. As far as me outside of systematic ecology, you can find me on Facebook, uh, finish at www.facebook.com slash finish last podcast, um, Instagram, finish last podcast and a Twitter uh, at finish last pod, as well as my email finish last podcast at gmail.com. And like Will said, you can connect with us on our Facebook group, or you can go to our website in the description to let us know what you have been geeking out on and what we should be geeking out on as well. Because remember, we are all a chosen people, a geekdom of priests. This was an Anazal Ministries podcast. If you enjoyed this show and would like to learn more about our network, be sure to check out the Anazal Ministries podcast network.